BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you are all surviving your Super Bowl hangovers. Um, At this particular moment, the Super Bowl has not happened, but by the time you're listening to this, it will have happened. I uh, don't care about the Super Bowl. I don't I just, I just don't. I don't like football. Um, I actually like really, really, really hate football. Not like watching it. Like I don't care about that, but just the whole concept of football. I, I don't like it. My kids can do any activity that they want, any, any at all, except play football. That's my one rule. And that's just a personal choice. If you want your kids to play football, that's fine. But I just don't like it. I don't like the head smashing, the body hitting. Like, I just, I'm, I don't like any of it. I pray, I pray that my kids just want to be like dancers. I don't know, something with no impact with another human being. But, you know, I had to call a little bit of an audible this week, <laughs> football reference, Because I was planning on having a guest on, but my guest got the flu, so we couldn't record, but we'll do that at a later time. So I was just going to do like a small Dear Maddie advice segment, but now it's the whole show and I get to answer a lot more. But we need to talk about something first, okay? Something that is dividing the country, something very serious, something we need to just get out in the open. I know that a lot of people are devastated by this and I want to handle it with sensitivity. So... Let's just say it. Gen Z wants to cancel skinny jeans. Okay. And millennials are holding on to them for dear life. For the record, I am a millennial, but I don't support jeans of any kind. So canceling skinny jeans really doesn't bother me. Honestly, if you wear skinny jeans for an extended period of time, I genuinely think you could swim the English channel. Whose plan was that to to think up a denim that squeezes at every point? ankles, calves, knees, thighs, hips, waist. I don't need anything that is squeezing that hard. So I think that as millennials, we should retaliate and cancel all jeans. Yeah, cancel all jeans because Gen Z gets cocky. They really do. They think that they know, they think that they can beat us, but they don't realize that we were raised with bread being at the bottom of our food pyramid. Okay, we were raised thinking that bread was supposed to be the main component of every dish. Gen Z, they're all gluten-free. 
all of them. They don't even know. They don't even know how strong we are physically, mentally. We can handle gluten. Oh, I hate saying that word and hearing it in my headphones. Gluten, gluten, gluten. I'm so sorry for how many times I just said that. Anyway, they underestimate us. So I do think that we should cancel all genes. It just, it feels right. I don't think that, you know, I, I just don't think that life can be lived to its fullest potential if you are wearing jeans. Like I just think that an elastic waistband is the best way to live your life. I've never done anything good in skinny jeans. I've never worn skinny jeans and accomplished anything. Sweatpants, yes, I have. Any type of elastic waistband has allowed me to flourish. So I just think that we should we should come back and cancel cancel them all. Some other great news, aside from me leading the movement of canceling all jeans, the iconic Cinderella with Brandy and Whitney Houston is coming to Disney Plus this week, and I think we need to have a watch party. I mean, I want to. We'll see if it happens. That's really what I want to do. One of my favorite movies of all time. The music, I've been looking for the music forever, but it's not on Spotify or Apple Music. Only the score is. And I really need Whitney Houston singing Impossible Things Are Happening Every Day in my ears. Before we get into the advice segment, I do have two Dum Dum Club submissions that were just too good to pass up. Then we're not doing a full check-in, but these ones I could not, couldn't, I couldn't not say these. So first one, somebody discovered this week that oranges have segments. She thought that only clementines or cuties or whatever those little, the little ones are, she thought those were the only ones with segments. And so I am here to tell you that not only do oranges have segments, all citrus has segments, including lemons, grapefruit, limes, pomelo. You know, they're all separated by that white part, which is called the pith, which I learned about two hours ago. So I might as well just add that on in. Next one. She says, you know how Larry King just passed away? My entire life, I thought his name was Larry King Live. Like I thought Live was his last name. I've never heard of just Larry King. It has always been the whole thing, Larry King Live. So when radio stations started announcing his death, I turned to my husband and said, why aren't they using his full name? And <laughs> I'm like, Larry King Live. You know what? You're off the hook for this one. You are off the hook because for about four years, I thought that her name was Chelsea Lately. Her name is not Chelsea Lately. Her name is Chelsea Handler, but she has a show called Chelsea Lately, or she did. So I thought that for a really long time. So I love you. I support you. I accept you. Even if you are just now learning Larry King's name, or if you are just learning the anatomy of an orange, you're welcome here. Okay. So let's get into the advice. I had you guys send me whatever situation you're going through that you want my take on. Kind of like, uh, who was that? Oh, Dr. Laura. Did your guys' parents listen to Dr. Laura Schlesinger? I remember her. Good times. Am I qualified to be giving advice? I know what you're thinking. No, I'm not. But I do a lot of things that I'm not qualified to do. And here we are. So we might as well just tack this on too. Let's get into our first Dear Maddie submission. Dear Maddie, everyone is buying that antique mirror from Anthropology. that's a million dollars. I personally think it's ugly, but the little wannabe trendy part of my soul is begging me to like it. It's so annoying because I really think it is so ugly. Have you ever bought something you hate just because everyone just because everyone else had it? I'm not buying that mirror, but it's weird because I keep telling myself to try and like it. I feel this way about a lot of things. I feel this way about so many things that I want to like, or I try to like, but at the end of the day, I just cannot like them. 
I made a list just so uh, I could explain to you all of the things that I have really, really tried to like, but just it's not there for me. One, museums. I don't like them. I'm try- I've tried. I'm just maybe I'm not sophisticated or smart enough, but I don't like museums. If we go to a museum, Matt likes them, whatever. I think he's lying. But if we go, we just have to make sure there's a bakery somewhere because I am going to sit at the bakery and he can then look around the museum. I'm not, a, I'm just done pretending with that one. Okay. But I've tried really, really hard to Haley Bieber. Don't come for me. I know she's hot. I love her style. That's not the issue here. She seems like a Karen. She seems very high maintenance. She seems like she would be mean to the service industry. I've tried. I've really tried to get into her and to the Biebs, and I'm not there on either of them. Three, the Laneige lip mask. I've talked about this on my Instagram before. Too gooey. It's too gooey, and it's like $40 for a tablespoon of it. And it's just... It reminds me of rubber cement before it dries. It's just, it's too sticky. Next one, new girl. I've tried really hard. I've tried very hard. I've started every season because I keep starting them and I'm like, maybe next season it gets better. So I start the next one. Then I'm like, probably season three. And then we start season three. Here's what I've learned though, is that every funny scene is already made into a meme or a TikTok. So I feel like I've already seen them. Also, I don't like Zoe Deschanel and everybody says, don't watch it for Zoe Deschanel, watch it for the guys. Okay, I get it, but I'm, I can't because she's in every single scene. So it's hard to ignore the character who the show is about. Shows about home decor. I don't like home decor. I don't like interior design. It's never been an interest of mine. So shows about it like flip or flop, Wait, Flip or Flop? Is that what it's called? Property Brothers? Um, anything with Chip and Joanna Gaines? Like, I don't like it and I don't watch it, even though everybody is obsessed with it and they love it so much. Interior design is just not my thing. Also, long acrylic nails. You guys know that I've tried many, many times to get long acrylic nails. And every time I look like a gorilla with stick on nails, they just they don't look good on me. And I'm not saying this to be like, man, they don't look good on me. Like they just, I don't like the way they look on my hands. I love them on other people. I see them and I'm jealous, but on myself, I don't like them. So here's, here's a more serious thing about stuff like this is, well, let me tell a story. Let me tell a story to see if I can get to my point that way. I think that this can be applied to many different things when you're trying to like something, but you just don't like it. So take this, take my example. I have a chubby face. I have chubby cheeks. I have a double chin at pretty much every angle. Angle. <laughs> angle. And everyone loves contouring. It's everyone's new trick. It's every makeup site. Everybody's got 500 guides on how to contour best. And I did this for years, years and years and years. I don't know how much it changed my face, but everybody else was doing it. Everybody else told me I had to do it. But I hated it. I hated doing it. I hated buying the makeup. I hated spending so much time on it. So I decided to embrace the part of me that didn't like it. And I was able to settle into that part of myself. I see girls with perfectly contoured faces and part of me wants to love it for me, but I just don't. So now I am comfortable with my chubby cheeks most days and lack of contour. And I like that it makes me feel different than the people around me. That's a feeling that I like. I think everybody likes that. We all like feeling unique. And I think that we should embrace the part of ourselves that think differently than other people. I am not saying don't follow trends or don't do something if somebody else did it, but I like to embrace that part of myself. And the quickest way to get lost as a person and along the way in life 
is to only make decisions because other people are doing them. And that is not an easy lesson to learn because it's very tempting to do things because they work for everybody else or everybody else likes them. But that's what makes us all weird. And that's great. I Like I said, was that last, was that only last week where I just said, I wish everyone was a little bit weirder. I wish I saw more mirrors that I didn't like. I wish I saw more people not contouring. So just know that if you don't like something that's popular, that's fine. You shouldn't like things just because somebody else likes them. And you shouldn't dislike things just because other people dislike them. All right, time to continue on to our next Dear Maddie. Dear Maddie, one of my closest friends acts like our relationship is so amazing when we're alone, but she finds every reason to laugh at me when we're with others. She takes it too far and everyone loves it. And then she tells me how happy she is to be friends with me over text. What do I do? Here's something that we forget. We forget that friendships and romantic relationships often are similar in a lot of ways. Like tell, what if somebody emailed me and they said, the guy that I liked is really rude to me in front of other people. And he laughs at me and makes fun of me, but in private, he's really nice. That would be a red flag. That is a red flag for a friendship too. Okay. Gaslighting is not just between romantic partners. It can happen in friendships all the time. A good friend somebody who is a good friend to you would be able to, well, she should be able to see that you're bothered by it, but maybe you're like putting on a really good show. But if you approach her about it and you say something, a good friend would say, sorry, and try and make it up to you. A bad friend will tell you that you're being too sensitive. Of course, my gut instinct is to like drop them immediately, drop that friend, but female friendships are hard and they're not something that you just want to throw away willy nilly. But yes, if she's a good friend, she should listen to you. And that's very telling. It's very telling how people act when they are confronted with something that they did wrong and how they defend themselves or how they make you feel. It's very telling. In a situation like this where you just feel like she is needlessly teasing you in front of people, like in front of a group of people, that sucks. That sucks. Okay, next. This is the most popular question I got on my Dear Maddie. How do I make friends as an adult? Well, first, let me say, this was my most popular question. So there's people out there who are also looking for friends. And I don't know if I have really good advice because I don't have very many friends. But the ones that I have made that I didn't make in, you know, my younger years, I meet on Instagram. It's just a good tool. And maybe that's lame advice. But I think that it is a good resource to find find people who are interested in what you're interested in, who are in the same phase of life as you. You can see if they have kids, your kids ages, you know, it's a good, it's a good resource. And just, just ask, just say, hey, do you want to get dinner sometime? You know, maybe they say no, then you move on. You'll find another friend who likes dinner. I personally don't want any friends who don't like dinner. So if you decline my dinner invite, I can almost guarantee we won't be friends. All right, next up, dear Maddie. I got married at 18. My husband is five years older than I am. I'm 25 now and asking him to contribute the bare minimum to our life exhausts him. I have a very demanding full-time career. I'm a stay-at-home mom to our six-month baby. I'm the meal planner and cook and I take care of all the household stuff. I'm not passive and I have explained countless times that it is not acceptable. My therapist tells me to set boundaries and have patience with him, but I need some real ball-busting advice. Why is it acceptable for a lot of men to see their partner doing more than they are and just be okay with it? Also, I would like to say a big no thanks to his mom who waited on him hand and foot and taught him that this behavior is normal. Let's not be those mothers. Anyway, love you. 
Okay, I get nervous to answer these questions because it's about somebody's marriage and I don't want to criticize somebody's marriage. But I'm going to say what I think about this particular topic because I do feel like a lot of people run into this. My first instinct is to tell you to stop doing the things that you wish he would do. Maybe if he sees that those things won't get done unless he puts in the effort, then maybe he would feel motivated to do them. But getting a little bit deeper, I think this is the thing. Being a mom is being a working mom. Being a mom with an additional job outside of the home is working two jobs. This concept seems to be new to like a lot of people. I think it's Laura Dern in Marriage Story, her character who says it, like the concept of a good husband was invented like 30 years ago. Somehow the role of motherhood has been diminished in such a way that people really do believe that a stay-at-home mom has it easier than a parent who works outside the home. They're hard in different ways, but they're both hard nonetheless. And no partner, regardless of gender, gets to cruise by without contributing the effort that it takes to run a home. When I was single and dating, I made a decision that I would not expect anything from a partner that I wasn't willing to do myself. If I expected them to make a certain amount of money, I should do that too. If I expected them to be thoughtful, I should be thoughtful too. Because right away, I wanted to establish that we will both be putting extra effort or equal effort into this. Otherwise, it's not fair. If your partner expects you to take care of the household chores, they should put the same amount of effort into it. That's the, that's the point of a partnership. It's not, you didn't marry a small baby. You married a full human being who lives with you. He should be able to vacuum or put a dish away. I also think that it is important for all of us ladies to remember that patience does not mean letting things slide. You can be patient and communicate exactly what you need. It is not unkind or impatient or unladylike to verbalize what you need. We are told that. We are told that if we, if we criticize or if we ask for anything, that it is too aggressive and that it's unladylike. It's not. There are ways to do it. You don't have to like lose your mind every single time, but you can express what you need. And nobody should label you as impatient because you want your husband to contribute to the home. So was that ball busting enough? I've never really understood that term ball busting, but you know, here we are. Next up, she says, help. Dear Maddie, I know this doesn't seem like a big deal, but how do I decline a hug from a family member? I love my personal space and the only person I want to hug is my husband. I wish I could say no specifically to my father-in-law, but I don't want to make anyone feel bad. I wouldn't even be writing this in, but the hugging is starting to be a daily occurrence and I don't want it. Oh, she said earlier, they're living with their in- her in-laws. So she has to hug her father-in-law every day. First of all, when I meet somebody, I like to give them one hug and then we're done. When I met Meg, I gave her one. We, we embraced. It was one good hug. I don't think we've touched each other since. That's what I like. One and done. I'm not a touchy-feely person. I'm not a physical touch love language. I don't... I just don't like it. I start sweating immediately. I just need my personal space. So I have some tactics for avoiding hugs because I often like to avoid hugs. Occupy your hands. Occupy your hands. Be texting. Be putting your hair in a ponytail. Be flossing. Do something with your hands that incapacitates you for hugging. Also, it helps to beeline to a chair. So when you walk into a room and somebody's coming for a hug, you just run and sit down as fast as you can. Because I get it. You can't really talk about that. Like some, some scenarios, a lot of these scenarios, I'm like, you know, you really should sit down and have that conversation. This one, it's hard to be like, yeah, you know, I just need you to stop hugging me. So 
those are my tactics for how to avoid touching humans that you don't want to. Next, dear Maddie, today I was notified that I was rejected from my dream graduate program. I'm very defeated and very sad. In an attempt to remedy this day, what advice do you have to feel better? Here's what I would do if I got rejected when I have gotten rejected. Who are we kidding? Make a list of all the things that would have sucked about it. Make a list of all the things you couldn't have done if you got into that program. Then make a list of all the things you get to do that you wouldn't be able to unless you got rejected. And then spend like a week fully on yourself doing absolutely everything that you want to do. And then, you know, time will pass and you will feel better. I hate to sound like a fortune cookie, but time does, you know, heal all wounds as they say. Next, dear Maddie, I have dated this boy for a long time and due to my family not liking him and a few other little things, we both felt it was best to break up. We want to be together so badly, but it was almost like we just felt that we shouldn't. He knew first and broke up with me and I was a wreck. I was so heartbroken that we got back together. He was heartbroken about it too, I'll add. Then in the next two days, I just felt sick thinking about us being together. And I kept feeling that I needed to break up with him. I confronted him about my feelings, hoping he would, hoping we would work it out, but knowing we would probably break up. He told me that he was just waiting for me to figure it out too so I could have closure. I don't know how to move on. I honestly thought he'd be the one I'd marry. It was the kindest, most polite breakup I've ever had. How do I move on from a breakup that we both didn't want but felt like we had to? Here's the thing, babe. This is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that he broke up with you. I'm hearing that he broke up with you. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't love that for you. I also, you started off with the sentence, my family doesn't like him. So maybe, maybe you didn't want to break up, but you're kind of having that situation where your head and your heart, you know, your head says no, your heart says yes. Is this what you really want your story to be? Is this, do you want to explain dating your, your person and saying, I just felt sick when we were together? I know it's hard when it seems like it's great on paper. It's hard not to feel like this is the one. They seem like they hit every single mark. The breakup wasn't bad. I had one breakup that was not that bad. Let me, let me, let me tell you about it. So I had a close group of guy friends before I started dating Matt and I kissed one of these guy friends. Okay. Then things kind of started to fizzle. I kind of started to get my feelings hurt because he wasn't like texting me or like wanting to hang out or whatever. So I called him and we met up and we talked and it was like this super polite, mature conversation about like staying friends. And it was great. And because of that, I drove away thinking, wait, are we supposed to be together? Because we just broke up and it was really nice and everything went well. And I feel like if you can be nice to each other in that situation, then you are supposed to be together. You're not. You're not supposed to be together. Having somebody be mean to you or being in a toxic relationship is not the only reason to break up with somebody. If you feel sick when you are together, it is not a great sign. I'm kind of weirded out by this narrative that it should be hard to find who to marry. Like it should not be a hard step to take. If you are ready to marry this person and they bring you infinite amounts of joy, it should be like the natural next step. It should not make you sick. It should not make you scared. Your family, I mean, your family not liking him is a red flag in and of itself. But then also he broke up with you. I promise you don't want to marry somebody who broke up with you and then got back together with you. And then when you broke up with him, he confirmed that he actually still wanted to be broken up. I don't like this for you. And I think that how to move on is you block his number. I'm sorry. It just works. I, 
I wish that I had a more mature answer, but putting distance between you and the person always helps. So you put some distance between you, you find some good friends, pick up a hobby, I don't know, do a face mask, and you just put one foot in front of the other because that is not a love story that you want, I promise. My mom, before she met my dad, had a boyfriend and he proposed to her. And she's like, yeah, you know how I knew he wasn't the one? Because when he opened up the ring box, I literally almost threw up in his face and not in like a butterfly way, in like a vomit way. So she knew right away. Luckily, she did not want to barf when my dad proposed. But I just think that that is not a great sign for a relationship. Call me crazy. Call me, call, call my, my beliefs fringe, but that's what I think. Okay, dear Maddie, how do you take care of yourself after a friendship fizzles out? Specifically, dealing with the guilt and loss afterwards. Friend breakups suck a thousand times worse than any romantic breakup ever could. Mark my words. It is the most painful thing in the entire world to lose a friend. And I don't know how to fix it because when I have gone through it, it's like been the most painful time in my life. I haven't gone through a breakup in a really long time, friendship or romantic, obviously. But I do remember what it felt like when Fazoli's went out of business. And that was really tough. It was really tough on all of us. So how do you, how do you deal with the guilt and the loss afterwards? Well, you find people you can trust. You find people that you have fun with. You, I mean, it's just like a breakup. That's the thing is that romantic relationships and friendships have a lot of similarities and getting over the breakup is going to take time. It's going to take self-care. You guys know how much I love self-care. Sometimes I wonder if I love self-care so much because it lets me justify taking like eight baths a day. And I mean, it's worked. So I'm just going to keep going with it. But you just have to really cling on to friends who you love and find people who you can talk to. I'm a talker, not a hot take. I have a podcast, but I like to talk through things. I don't like to internalize. I don't like to think about it. I just want somebody to be a sounding board for me and listen to my words. So when I've gone through friendship breakups, I just needed a really solid support that I could just vent to, cry to, rant to, all of that. So also, you guys know, if you want to slide my DMs and rant, it's a, it's a pro, I am pro rant in my DMs. Okay, next. Dear Maddie, I need advice about what to do with my hair. I work from home, so I put in a braid or bun basically every day. I don't really like heat styling, but I feel frumpy every day with my current non-styles. What do I do to have hair that is comfortable and out of my way, but still cute? Or is cute, low-maintenance, comfortable hair just another myth of the patriarchy? Hmm. Here's the thing. I have a piece of advice for this. What we forget is that nobody is thinking as hard about your hair as you are. Whenever people, first of all, I don't even know what your hair looks like. I don't know the length, the color, the texture. I don't know. So I don't really have any legitimate advice on like how to style your hair. But I can say that the majority of people won't notice your hair. They're not looking. They're not looking. And I learned this when I was living with some of my friends and I was getting dressed and I remember being like annoyed that I couldn't find something to wear. And finally, my best friend was just like, no one, no one's looking. Like, no one's looking. No one's looking. Can you think of a time where you like really cared about somebody else's hair or outfit or body or anything like that? It's kind of what we talked about. I feel, I feel like this ties into kind of what we talked about in the body episode that like you don't think about those things in the people you're around. But we think everybody's thinking that about us. Like when our hair looks ridiculous, we think everybody's noticing. But how often do you notice if somebody else's hair looks bad? I've never, ever, ever seen someone's hair and been like, oh, that, that hair looks bad. 
Like I always think people's hair looks good. So sorry, I don't have any like tips or tricks on like how to style your bun, but I can tell you that whatever you're doing, it is working for you. Okay. It's working. Next, dear Maddie, I've been wanting to start an online business for like three years. I'm an artist and I want to start selling on Etsy, but I am so worried about judgment from other people and I'm afraid of failing if I put myself out there. Do you have any advice for not caring what people think? Nope, I do not. I do not have any tactics on how to not care. I care deeply about what others think and it's hard. It's not a, it's not a great thing for my life. But I can tell you that failure is a myth. Failure is not real. Failure is something that you have decided what it is. And if something like that happens, then you are going to consider yourself a failure because really the success is in just trying it. There's not really a standard that you can hit that makes it so that you have, you know, officially failed. It's all subjective. So that's what I had to tell myself when I start anything, when I do anything, that being able to try it and start it, that's successful enough. That's where I have my bar. My bar is on the floor, if you will. Why did I get an Australian accent when I did that? But yeah, my bar is on the floor for success because it's too hard to keep up with the standards that we set for ourselves. Why why are we doing that? We can succeed in any way possible. If your success for the day is that you stood up and brushed your teeth, what a wonderful success. If you only think about, well, yeah, I stood up and brushed my teeth, but I didn't go to the gym, so now I'm a failure. You can find failure in absolutely everything that you do. So I think that it's always worth it to start whenever people ask me, should I start my business? Should I do this? Should I? Yes, it's always worth it to start. There is no downside. There is no downside because the success is in the doing. Ugh. I hope that that is, you know goes on somebody's mirror, but it really is. Like people will be like, "Well, what if my podcast isn't successful?" Okay, well, did you did you make an episode? Did you upload it? That's success. That's successful. There's no number that you have to hit until you are seen as a success. Okay. Next, dear Maddie, my husband and I are going through a divorce, but I still want to be close with his family. Do you think there is a way for me to keep the relationship with his parents, or should I just abandon ship? Do I think there's a way? Yes. Have I seen people go through this situation and it's hard? Yes. Can it be done with communication? Of course. That is something, I mean, I don't know. I got no details of the divorce. I don't know what it, what it looks like. But it is something that I feel like if you communicate with your ex about, I mean, I feel like there's some wiggle room here. I've seen people who do this who are really close to their ex's family. But also take care of yourself because sometimes when you get too close to the family, you know, that's when the feelings start to get hurt or they come back or like you're hearing about your ex and like who they're dating. So it is a dangerous line to toe, but I think that it can be done. I think that it can be done. Next, dear Maddie, I'd love your advice on this matter because it comes up a lot in my life. I often feel like I am told to take the high road because it makes everyone comfortable. This is just an example. I invited my sister-in-law and her family over for dinner. About five minutes before they arrive, I got a text that my 19-year-old niece is bringing three of her college roommates to dinner, and she hopes that that's okay. That makes my dinner party guest list from six to 10. My sweet sister-in-law is afraid to tell her daughter, so now the burden becomes mine. I would genuinely love to be the type of person who is flexible and easygoing, but it's not my gift yet. Instead, I'm angry and annoyed. I hate it when people play hot potato with burden. And what is my responsibility with that potato? Pass it or eat it? Yes, the burden, the potato burden. I hear where you're coming from because I am not 
I'm not flexible and easygoing. However, I have found that in these situations, if you can make a joke, if you can kind of lighten the mood, like maybe she asks to come over and then you say, oh, let's do it next week. And then and then I'll have enough. And then you can invite all of your roommates or like, yeah, you can totally come over, but there's not enough hot potatoes for you. I just said hot potatoes because and that's what we were talking about. Like there's a way to communicate what you need. That's not mean, obviously. And it's also not your responsibility to take on the burden of other people. Because, you know, we get this way. We get this way as women. We do. We feel it is our duty. We feel it is our duty to take care of everybody, to say yes to everything, to agree to everything. But it's not. You're not here to make other people comfortable. If you're not comfortable with her coming over to your house, to your dinner party, there is a way to communicate that. You do not have to erupt. All of these feel like they're very similar, but it's kind of what we were saying earlier. It's not unladylike, it's not aggressive to express what you need. And most people will understand, especially if you deliver it in a way that is not like hostile, you know, that's not like, well, great. Now my dumb niece and her dumb friends are coming over. If it's more like, you know, lighthearted and funny, but you're still getting your point across, that's always kind of the route I take. I try to laugh at situations, like even if it's not very genuine, I try to find something funny about it because Chances are in a few hours, the situation will be resolved and I'll have wished that I could laugh about it. But to answer your original question, which is how to play hot potato with the burden, I wrote a little song for you. You're not here to make everybody comfortable. You're not here to make everybody comfortable. You're not here to make everybody comfortable. Your comfort matters too. You should put it first. That, I swear on my life, was on the fly. I did not write that beforehand. I am just a lyrical genius. So that's my advice on what to do with a little thing we like to call the burden. Okay, next up. Dear Maddie, this is for the advice portion of your episode on Monday. That's the whole episode. Okay. Dear Maddie, here's the situation I need your advice on. I hooked up with a boy like three weeks ago. We met because we're on the same committee for our school. I know, bad idea. But when you're horny, how are you not supposed to invite the cute boy over to, quote unquote, watch a movie? Anyway, we hooked up, cuddled, and he went home. We have never addressed this situation, which is okay, and I don't really care to talk about it or DTR because it only happened once. Anyways, I go to the gym every morning, and somehow he's there every day at the same time. Somehow. Somehow he's there. I mean, I'm not pointing fingers, but it seems like maybe you know he's going to be there and maybe he knows you're going to be there. She continues, we see each other and say hi, but sometimes he doesn't say hi back. That's rude. Last night, I saw him at a basketball game and he asked me to go sit by him. I sat by him and we had a really good conversation and he was super interested in my life. So here's the part I need advice about. I am bored. Do I text him to come over again or do we count this as a one-time thing and it never happens again and we never address it? I have no feelings for this boy. In fact, when he speaks to me, he gives me the ick, but I am bored and I have no other boys on my roster. I say, let your freak flag fly. Let freedom ring. Stick it to the man. I mean, you have every right to booty call. You, d- you do. However, if it is going to end in, because you know, those feelings, they get easy to catch. It's easy to catch when you're doing, when you're getting frisky with somebody. So if you feel that it is headed down a bad path or you think that maybe he could be hurt, maybe he really likes you. I mean, he probably does. Who wouldn't? You're a catch. I don't know who you are, but you seem hot and he's probably very into you. So just be care- tread lightly. But I also say, 
you can do that. I think that's absolutely acceptable. Okay, dear Maddie, this episode topic came at the perfect time, right when I'm having a mental breakdown. So I've become quite active on dating apps the past few months because how else are you supposed to meet people during a pandemic? A couple weeks ago, I started talking to this guy that I had just matched with. He asked me out right away, which I always like instead of just talking forever and nothing happening. He was really fun to text and he asked me to go get drinks with him. I said yes, but I told him, FYI, I'm not a drinker. So instead, we made plans to go get coffee. I told him I start work at 8.30 on the weekdays, so he said, okay, let's meet at 7. A guy willing to get up early just to meet you? Wow, we love the effort. So I go meet him and wasn't thinking too much about it because I was also talking to like eight other guys, lol. But I show up and he's so much cuter in person. Wow, I've literally never heard that on a dating app. I've never heard somebody be like, he was cuter in person. And we got along so well. He was kind of shy at first, but he warmed up really quickly and we ended up talking for like three hours. Yes, I was two hours too late for work, but whatever. He told me to let him know when I'm free again and we parted ways. I wait a couple hours and I text him the general, hey, thanks for the good time, blah, blah, blah. And I have yet to hear from him. I seem to get ghosted by every guy I like, so I've kind of come to expect it, and I'm trying to not let it get to me, but this guy gave me more clear signals than anyone else ever has that he liked me and he wanted to see me again. Like I said, he told me to let him know when I was free. I also told him I make really good chocolate chip cookies, and he said he'd want to try them. Mmm, good move. We talked about books we were reading, and he asked to borrow a copy of mine. I talked about interning in Washington, D.C. Hey, oh, fellow D.C. intern queen. And he said he's glad I made it back here so he could be with me. He told me to text him. The list goes on and on and on. Those are very clear signals. So am I crazy? Did I just totally read into this or what am I doing wrong? This seems to happen with every guy I go out with and I'm just so confused. In other scenarios, I'd just be sad about it for a week and then move on. But like I said, he made it really seem like I wasn't going to end up on red and we'd go out again. So is it worth it to double text him? Or do I just need to put on my big girl panties and move on? Really wish people could just come out and say that they're either uninterested or not, or they're either interested or not instead of leaving you to wonder. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be a wonderful, wonderful world? You know how the purge happens? Well, not in real life. I mean, it seems like it might happen one day, but you know how there's one day where everybody gets to like commit any crime that they want? I wish that there was a day of the year where everyone just said everything that they were thinking. Like, I wish that there was a day where brain filters came off and you could just ask anybody and all we got was truth. I feel like that would save so many, so much trouble because I totally get it. I feel like the reality, um, this is a hard thing to say because I, oh, it like pains me. It hurts my heart because I have been in this situation where I'm like, look at this list of everything that he's done to tell me that he likes me, but he's not acting on it. Just one line. If he wanted to, he would. If he wanted to, he would. I'm going to say it one more time for everybody in the back. If he wanted to, he would. However, that's not what this is about. This is about that you feel like this happens a lot and you feel like you don't know what to do because it keeps happening. Listen, I get a lot of flack because people message me and they say that I'm anti-man. I'm not anti-man, but when men hurt my friends, it makes me mad and it should make you mad too. So maybe it seems like the dating app thing needs like a break. Maybe it seems like the guys that you're meeting there are probably looking for something like casual, like one time, or they just like to talk to boost their ego. Who knows? But I think it's the dating app thing that leads to a lot of ghosting because it just makes it so much easier to ghost people. I got ghosted so many times and I also ghosted people a lot because it's just easy. Easy come, easy go. As, as they say, 
I don't know who says that. I can't remember the last time I heard somebody say that, but I think that the dating apps make it really easy to ghost. So maybe take a break. Maybe meet somebody on Instagram. Maybe meet somebody at a, well, I guess there's no parties going on. Maybe meet somebody at the grocery store. Maybe, you know, there's, there's other ways, but also don't get discouraged. And for all my dating, my dating babies out there, if you start to get discouraged with dating, stop dating, take a break. You can take a few months. You can take a few years. You don't have to keep, keep dating. Dating does not have to be only a means to an end. And it's there's no time limit. I know. I know. A lot of you are from Utah. I know what that time limit feels like. I know it feels like, you know, you're you're beating, trying to beat the clock to get married or whatever. You're not. And I will scream this from the mountaintops. You can take a break from dating. You can date yourself. I still date myself. I am the best date I have ever had. And I also am the most fun date I've ever had. Sorry, Matt, you are a very close second. But I just think that dating sometimes feels like it's our whole world. And it feels like that is the only thing we need to be doing. But you have a lot more purpose. You have a lot more things to do. You got to get started on those. What are you going to do if you're if if you're worried about a guy ghosting you, you are not writing the next great American novel or you know, taking photography lessons or cooking a cake, cooking a cake, baking a cake. So just think of all of those things that you can be doing with time to yourself and really soak that in because it's a beautiful thing. Well, my friends, I think that just about does it for our Dear Maddie episode. Remember that I love you and to subscribe, rate, review, sign up for Patreon if you want to. Also be safe, be kind, be hot, you know, the three, the big three, safe, kind, and hot. (laughs) Seriously, I hope you all have a really great week. I will see you next Monday, same time, same place. And I love you. Okay, bye. (laughs) 